Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Christ is baptized in the Jordan. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host, and I greeted you with the traditional greeting in our Byzantine Catholic Church during this time. Actually, it'll be the last time I greet you with this, or at least for this year, because it is the last day of what we call the post-festive of the Feast of Theophany. In other words, the baptism of our Lord, which has been going on here since the evening of January 5th in the Byzantine calendar. The Feast of Theophany is called that because, yes, it's the baptism of Christ, but it also is the revelation of the Trinity, because at the baptism of Christ, the Trinity was revealed. God the Father's voice rang out from the heavens, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. The Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, descending upon Christ as he descends into the waters of the Jordan. So you have the three persons of the Trinity revealed. And although this is the baptism of Christ, it is also the revelation at the same time of the Trinity. Now in the Latin Rite Church, the big day after Christmas is the visit of the Magi, the three kings, in other words, Epiphany. In the Eastern churches, January 6th, which starts on the eve, January 5th, in other words, the evening of January 5th, with the great vespers, liturgy of St. Basil, and blessing, great blessing of water, it is called the Theophany. It's also epiphanic, and sometimes we use the word epiphany for this feast, but most properly it's called Theophany of our Lord, and also the baptism of our Lord. The link, though, between the two, whether it's the revelation to the three kings, the visit of the Magi, or the baptism of Christ, the Theophany, you notice that what links them is this idea of manifestation, of the continued showing forth of the invisible God made visible, fully visible, fully human in the person of Jesus Christ while still remaining fully divine, fully God. But what's interesting about this particular day, this Sunday, January 14th, the last day of the post-festive of Theophany for us in the Byzantine Church, is that it is like a baton race. At least that's the analogy that always comes to my mind. 
in a baton race. I used to enjoy watching the baton races in the Olympics. I always enjoyed watching the Olympics. And one of my favorite races was the baton race, you know, where four runners run carrying a baton. They have to pass the baton to the next runner. Well, when the runner is running with the baton, the runner ahead of him is going to receive it, starts running before he even receives the baton. So the runner with the baton has to keep his pace up and get that baton safely into the hand of the runner in front of him. But that runner starts out running already so that they don't delay in the race so they can win the race. So there's actually a kind of a simultaneous running of the two runners for that moment during the passing of the baton. Well, that's what's happening right now liturgically in the Eastern churches. We're having the passing of the baton from the cycle or the period of the liturgical calendar of the revelation, the epiphanic, the manifestation, the incarnational dimension of Christ. Now we're going to hear, in fact, maybe you heard my stomach growling, because now we hear a certain echo of what's going to be the penitential period, which will then lead into the resurrection period of the liturgical cycle. You see how it works in the church? Think of it as like a cycle, a descending action, Christ incarnation, his manifestation, God coming down to earth, condescending and revealing the invisible God to be visible on earth in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who took on human form while remaining God, but also revealed in his creation because he enters and touches his creation. We saw that at Christmas time. He touches the manger, laid in straw in a feeding trough for animals in a cave with the animals around him. A star comes out from the heavens and touches the sky in Bethlehem and points the way to the Magi and to the shepherds. There is a physical contact between heaven and earth in the coming of God in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. So we have a manifestation not only in human form, that God takes on human form, but also that he touches and is revealed through his own creation, even if it's a cave, even if it's rocks or animals or a star in the sky. It is that revelation. This is the cycle we're in, but it's a descending action, God coming down. We call that descending. But then it starts to move upward. We descend way, way down as we enter into the penitential period, and even the period of Christ dying on the cross and the ultimate condescension, the ultimate descending the humiliation of Christ for our sake. And that is when he actually, this is celebrated on Holy Saturday, he actually descends into hell after he dies on the cross. His spirit goes to hell to break the bonds of Satan, the bonds of hell that were keeping back all the righteous people and ourselves too. Had it not been for that action, the breaking of the bonds, the releasing of the captives, we would not be able to go to heaven. Even the great saints, the people from the Old Testament, that's why they're featured in the icon of the descent into hell, that they themselves could not enter into heaven until Christ himself paid the ransom and broke the power, the chains, the gates, the walls, what held back the righteous from entering heaven. And once that happened, we have this ascending action where Christ will come out of the depths of Hades, rescuing humanity and all the righteous and he will eventually ascend into heaven and mount humanity, human nature, on the throne of heaven with him. So you see that we have this magnificent cycle of descending and ascending. And right now what's happening is they're 
like the baton race, they're both kind of running together for a moment. There's an overlap. We're ending now, or pretty close to ending. We're not quite there yet because the actual ending of the descending part of the cycle will be yet in a couple more weeks with the feast day of the entrance, the presentation of Christ in the temple to the elder Simeon, where Simeon will hold this child in his hands and proclaim that magnificent hymn, Now you may dismiss your servant, O Lord, because my eyes have seen the light of revelation to the Gentiles. In other words, Simeon says probably what we would say if we had Jesus Christ in our hands. I mean, we do have him within our entire being at Eucharist, but think about it. You're Simeon, and you hold this child in your hand who you know is the Messiah. What else is there to live after that? And that's why Simeon pronounces those words. He's seen the light of revelation to the Gentiles. So that will be the actual closure, to speak in those terms, the actual closure liturgically of this descending cycle of Christ's life and therefore the life of the liturgical calendar of the church. Then we will go through the deepest part of that descending and then the ascending as we move towards the resurrection. Now, what the echo of the ascending moment will be in this liturgical calendar will be this Sunday, which is called the Sunday of Zacchaeus. It's the gospel story. Remember the tax collector Zacchaeus? He was a short man. He climbed the tree, the sycamore tree, to try to see Jesus. And he sees Jesus coming and Jesus sees him. And Jesus requests to be in his home. And Zacchaeus has this great conversion moment. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But that is the first echo of what will be the oncoming season of the bottoming out of the descent. In other words, the Lenten penitential season all the way through to Christ's suffering and death. And then we will swing back up with his resurrection. So right now the baton is being passed between the two cycles. So we're kind of running simultaneously right now. We still have the descending action, but there's the echo of that ascending action that we start already today with the feast day or the Sunday of Zacchaeus, we will have several other themes in the next several Sundays in the Byzantine liturgical calendar that have to do with, again, this deepest part of the descending and approaching the ascending. And those themes are, after the Sunday of Zacchaeus, they are Sunday of the publican and the Pharisee, the Sunday of the prodigal son, and the Sunday of Meat Fair, where we eat meat for the last time because we're going to give it up for Lent. That's kind of like the Byzantine Mardi Gras. And then finally, Cheese Fair, where we give up dairy products. In other words, all the good fatty foods we give up as we enter into Lent. And then Lent will start on February 12th. That's on the Sunday evening, actually, February 11th, Sunday evening, which begins the next day. So technically, it's February 12th. We begin in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, the 40 days of penance, the great fast. So that's that's the bottoming out, and we'll, we'll stay in the bottom for about 40 days, and then we'll start rising up with Christ again. But again, the two things are happening simultaneously, and what we're going to do is we're going to look, as we always do, to the wisdom, the beauty, the ingeniousness of the liturgical text of the church, especially the Byzantine church, because in those liturgical texts, in other words, what we pray during the services, you have what we believe. You have the theology. And the first thing we do is we contrast, we compare Christmas with the event of theophany. 
And it says this in the liturgical prayers, Radiant was the feast that has just passed, but more brilliant, O Savior, is the one approaching. The first had an angel as a herald. This one has John the forerunner. The first had blood spilled and had Bethlehem lament as one who was childless. The second has blessed waters, recognized to be a bath having many children. Before, the star proclaimed to the Magi, now the Father shows you to the world that you are incarnate and are openly coming again. O Lord, glory to you. When we come back, we're going to show more of this contrast, or, or maybe you should call it the baton race between the two runners, the descending moment of the liturgical calendar in Christ's life and the ascending moments. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Hi, I'm Bishop Earl Boyer for WJKNAM and W227BYFM, Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan, and you're listening to Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lohier, your host, running the baton race. As we said earlier, it's the race between, like a baton race in the Olympics, where the runner runs to pass the baton to the next runner, and that runner already starts running before he gets the baton. So there's a simultaneous running of two runners. Well, same thing here in the descending cycle of the liturgical life, which is the life of Christ, and the ascending cycle. We're kind of running together for a while, overlapping. But then we'll move out of the descending part and then go into the ascending part of the life of Christ, which is also the liturgical calendar of the church. I mentioned we start out by comparing the two, Christmas and Theophany. You know, at one time early on in the church, especially in the East, 
Christmas and the baptism of Christ, or theophany, you can call it epiphany, they were celebrated together, actually. And a little bit later on, probably in the fourth century, they started to then separate them into two observances, the birth of Christ in Bethlehem and then his baptism, or the theophany. But they all carry the same theme of an illumination, a manifestation, a renewal. Here's another verse from our liturgical text. It says this, Resplendent is the feast which has passed, but more glorious is the present day. That would be referring to the baptism of Christ. On that day, the Magi adore the Savior. On this, the glorious servant baptizes the Master. There, the shepherds sang in amazement. Here, the voice of the Father proclaims him to be the only begotten Son. You see that? As great as Christmas is, the liturgy is saying that the baptism of Christ, the offering, is even greater. The angels announce the birth of Christ. That's wonderful and magnificent and beautiful. But God is greater than the angels. So it's God himself who announces that this is my beloved son. As it says here, the father proclaims him to be the only begotten son and calls us to listen to him. This part of the manifestation is actually probably richer in its depth than its meaning, as liturgical texts say, that it's not to minimize the Christmas event. It's all glorious and beautiful, all tied together by the same single thread of illumination and manifestation. Now, what the liturgical texts also do is they have conversations that make the figures in the story and the event talk to each other. For example, it says here, O Master, when John the Forerunner saw you coming to him, he was amazed. As a faithful servant, he cried out with fear, O Savior, with what humility and lowliness have you clothed yourself? Since you are compassionate, you have clothed yourself in our flesh, and by the richness of your kindness, you have raised us up, and we are reconciled. And then the Savior answers, Come to me, for on this day I will fulfill the mystery of salvation of the universe. And he says this to the forerunner, Serve with fear and do not be terrified, because I am renewing Adam who was crushed by sin. Though I am undefiled by nature, I am baptized in the waters of the Jordan. And then John responds again, what creature can see the sun being cleansed? Or who can see strip the one who clothes the heavens with the clouds? Who can see the creative of springs and rivers coming into the waters? O Master, I marvel at your ineffable providence. Do not burden your servant with such awesome commands. So you see, John is saying to him, how can I do this? In other places it says, how can my hand of straw touch the fire of the divinity and not be burned? But Jesus reassures him, basically telling him, you do this, John, for your sake, not for mine, but for your sake and for the sake of humanity. So don't hesitate. Then we also hear the river itself talking. Imagine that. The river now talks. It says this, O Jordan, why do your waters change course? Now that's a reference to a psalm. Why do your streams stop and why do you not flow as you should? The river then answered, I cannot hold the fire that consumes me. I am amazed and awed at his great condescension, for I am not accustomed to wash him who is clean. I have not learned to bathe the sinless, but to purify the unclean vessels. Christ, now baptized in me, teaches me to burn the thorns of sin. John, the voice of the word, testifies with me and cries out, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. O faithful, with a loud voice, let us say, you are manifested for our salvation. O God, glory to you. 
So water takes on this tremendous, tremendous place in this whole story. And in fact, in our liturgical life, it takes on a tremendous place because we have what's called the consecration or the great blessing of water. Very, very elaborate. This we do usually on the eve of the Feast of Theophany or Epiphany in the great Vesper service with the liturgy of St. Basil. Magnificent prayers, long and rich, beautiful prayers, cosmic prayers, which talk about how the creation, the entire universe, the cosmos has been touched and renewed and changed by the coming of God and how we call down upon these waters the Holy Spirit. And in fact, what the priest does during this ceremony He breathes on the water in the sign of a cross, and he takes his hand and blesses the water with the sign of the cross. And finally, he plunges a cross into the waters three times, crossing the waters with that cross. So this is a consecration, not just a blessing. It's why it's called the great blessing. It's the calling down of the Holy Spirit. It's very much like the Eucharist. We don't say that we bless the bread and wine at liturgy or the mass. We say we consecrate it, consecrating is a greater than a blessing. Consecrating is where we call down the Holy Spirit to act upon something, to change it, to transform it, as we do with the bread and wine at the consecration in the Mass or Eucharist. But here, it's the consecration of water, the great consecration of water. And maybe you saw on Facebook, on social media, we actually then went out to bless, consecrate waters in nature, such as In our region, we consecrated Lake Michigan, one of the greatest of the five great lakes in America. We actually plunged the cross into it. We did just what we do to water in the church. We put our hand in there, the priest does, his breath, and plunges a cross in there. And so the very lake water that supplies so much to so many people in this part of the country has also been consecrated. Isn't that marvelous? We have that kind of tradition I always joke to people, yeah, so after that consecration, when you go to your tap water and turn it on, the water will come out and it'll smell like incense. (laughs) Well, it is purified, but also what's happening, as we mentioned, there is that passing of the baton and we hear the echo of what will be the penitential season, not this resplendent season of Christ's manifestation that we had during Christmas and Theophany and the visit of the Magi. But now we go into the penitential, the deepest, darkest part of Christ's condescension, of that descending action. It was a beautiful part up till now, magnificent, resplendent, full of light and beauty. Now we go into the dark part, and it'll be dark for us too. It'll be the period of penance. And we hear that first distant echo with the theme this Sunday of the Gospel of Zacchaeus. That's in Luke chapter 19. Remember that story? Great story. Christ came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now, a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. For today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to him, Behold, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything for anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house 
because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Now we're going to hear this phrase, to seek and save what was lost, in a couple more Sundays from now when we have the theme of the prodigal son. So you see the echo of the repentant sinner, the sinner coming back. This tax collector, if you noticed, he desired to see Christ. And again, always in the scripture, it's always in the details. It says that Christ told him, come down quickly. You Jesus Christ himself. I don't know who was more excited to see who. Was the tax collector, the sinner, more excited to actually see Christ, which is really he knew was the object ultimately of his longing as a person. He thought money would do it for him and cheating people, but no, he knew Christ was the satisfaction of his ultimate longing. Or was Jesus more excited to see this sinner repentant? They were both excited to see each other. So Jesus said, hurry, come down. I want to be in your house today. And then he says, this is what it means to be a child of Abraham. In other words, this tax collector was not a Jew, but because he repented and followed Christ, that means he was a true child of Abraham. In other words, the ultimate destiny of God's people, the Jewish people, is in their conversion to Jesus Christ, as it is for the whole world. We are all meant to be converted, to accept, to become one with Christ. That's why Christ came. And this is what we pray for, for all peoples, what Christ desired. So we have now this theme of desire, our desire for repentance, our desire for Christ, overlapping with the cycle of condescension by Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Leah on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. We need EWTN Radio for the reason that Mother Angelica founded this entire enterprise. She always saw this as a spiritual growth network. It was to be an enterprise in media that reached people in all aspects of their life. She saw this as a a holistic approach to reaching the whole person in the middle of the world and bringing them truth and life. Raymond Arroyo thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!